All right, hockey fans, listen up because we've got something special cooked up for playoff season. It's called the Daily Faceoff Playoff Parlay Challenge, and it's going to add some serious spice to your playoff experience. Now, here's the deal every playoff game, you're going to be faced with a handful of questions. It's like your own personal playoff puzzle, and it's free to join. And there are prizes because who doesn't love winning stuff? Daily winners, you're getting hooked up with gift cards. Treat yourself to some nation gear or maybe even your favorite jersey. And for the big dogs, the people who can win an entire round, it's straight, cold, hard cash. We're talking about real dough for your hockey knowledge. So lace up those skates, stretch those thumbs, and get ready to show off your hockey IQ in the daily face-off playoff parlay challenge. Sign up today and play every game day at games.dailyfaceoff.com and prove your puck prowess. Hey, it's eleven eleven, Tim. Make a wish. Good morning, everybody. That's uh, that's fun. I just looked at that. Uh, thanks for joining us here on Dropping the Gloves. It's a good sign, I think, when we start the show at eleven eleven. It means we're all number one, right, Tim? We're all number one. Everyone get along. Everyone love everybody, right? That's right. Especially me. I'm always the eternal optimist. There's some good news on the show, Tim. I don't know if you wanted to talk about it, but Tim is a new uncle. Yeah, very exciting. His brother. Had a baby this past weekend. Tim flew up to Boston. Tim, tell us all about it. This big baby. Yeah, he's a big boy. Yeah, the uh, baby was born on Friday afternoon, the 15th. Uh, very excited. I flew up as soon as she went into labor and it all happened pretty quick, which is, I think, unusual for the first one because usually they take longer, but it was just a few hours. And so I saw him Friday night and uh, and again Saturday and I flew back Sunday back to Charlotte, but baby's healthy. He's 22 inches long, 9.6 pounds. He's a big, big little fella. Um, mom's healthy. Brother's very excited. So all's good. Yeah. Really good. That's exciting. It's very exciting. Everybody that's, it's a huge baby, 22 inches, almost 10 pounds. It's massive. Saw a picture. Very cute. Yes. Very cute. Yes. Very excited. How big were you, Tim, when you were born? I was two weeks early. So I was like eight, eight and a half, something like that. I probably, yeah, probably would have been bigger. They say in the last, I think, what is it, month, each week the baby grows a pound. So if you would have went to term, you would have been 10 pounds, if not more. How big were you? Were you always big? I was 11 pounds. Yeah, 24 (laughs) and a half inches. I was a monster. 24 and a half. Wow. Yeah, I was a big guy. I was heavy, but I was long. You know what I mean? I stepped on the scale the other day. Eye-opening. 285 pounds. Are you really? Yeah. Yeah. I, I was just thinking, I wonder if I'll hit 300 in my life. This the heaviest you've ever been in your life? No, the lockout, 2014. I got up to 293. I really packed on the pounds. And then we signed the contract. I'm like, we got to go back to work. And I was like, oh, oh boy. And I had to go on like this really crash diet where I didn't eat anything. And I was just cardio, cardio. Because they gave you like a week and a half to get back to camp. Weren't you like eating cookies at a Christmas party? And they're like, hey, we're going back. Yeah, I was probably like drinking a few cocktails, some eggnog and cookies. And they're like, we got to (laughs) go. And I was shocked. I thought we were going to lock out the whole season. I had planned for the whole season. I I was hoping for the whole season. Because the players, the way we did it, we knew we were going to get locked out. So we were getting some kind of per diem weekly. So it's not like we didn't get any money. So we were starting to dip into that. So it's like we were getting a few thousand dollars a month or whatever. Nothing groundbreaking, but but enough. I had saved enough to that point. So I was like, eh, a year off. Fantastic. Let's go. And then they're like, let's get back to work. Got to go to Buffalo. Make a good first impression. Here comes this fat slob into the locker room. It's like, hey, everybody. 290 pounds stomp stomp, boom 290 i was at six foot eight i was a i was a monster an absolute monster i lost it quick though teddy nolan bag skates to heck at you anyways very good congratulations to you your brother i know he listens to the show he's a big fan so yeah what did did you want to release the baby's name or you don't want to yeah no i did sorry it's a cormac baby cormac which was a surprise that wasn't one that we knew um it's not a family name or anything, but I think they like the idea of an Irish name. We were a very Irish family, but 
something that's a little bit different, but not too out there. So Cormac, which I think I think they're going to call him Mac. I'm going to call him Mac, which is a, is a good, strong name. So that is nice. I've never heard of that. I like the unique names. Very good. Very good. Always, uh, always nice to see a new baby into the world. Speaking of babies, Connor Bedard making quite the impression at the Chicago Blackhawks camp. They did their interleague. Everybody does these prospect tournaments. I know Minnesota runs one. I know they do one up in Toronto. They do one here in Traverse City. They do them all over the place. It's the new thing. We're six to eight teams come into town. You play some inner squad games. You do a little tournament, then you go your separate ways. It's good for the GMs just to get a, a glimpse of what the prospects, because it's hard to kind of gauge players when it's just inner squad games. It's nice to see them versus different um, teams. Intensity is high. These players want to make a good first impression. So it's fun. Well, Connor Bedard made a terrific first impression, Tim. Hat trick, first game versus the Minnesota Wild. I watched the goals. Everybody watched the goals. It's amazing. I just want to say this. The kid is amazing. I, I might be doubling down on my prediction of Connor Bedard getting 100 points. I think he might win the Hart Trophy for Pete's sake. <laughs> he's that good. He's so incredible. He makes it look effortless, Tim. And I know he's playing its undrafted rookies versus these teams, and it's not the NHL caliber, this and that, yada, yada, yada. The kid's done it at every level. Everywhere he's gone. World Juniors. Where was he? The dub, the Regina Pats. I don't know where he was. He's done it everywhere he's gone, Tim. And he he just never never disappoints when the lights are the brightest. This guy just is a stud. He didn't even have to play in this tournament. He told the Blackhawks, he's like, I want to be treated by everybody else, like everybody else. So he goes to the tournament, just like an undrafted free agent out of Michigan Tech. And he's lighting it up. Good for him. I, I'm very excited. I don't know if I told you, I think I did. I'm working for the Blackhawks this year. I'm going to be tied to this guy's hip. I know a shooting star when I see one, Tim. <laughs> and you I'm just going to some gr- talent here. I just want to be sucked up into his gravitational pull. Take me with you, Connor. Take me with you to the top. Even if I don't get all the way to the top, just get me close. Because this kid's going to be arguably, potentially, the best who's ever done it. And I want to be there with him. I'll be like, I just watched that uh, Elvis Presley movie. I'll be cur- I'll be the colonel. I'll be the guy pulling the strings behind the scenes. I'll be the guy who's feeding him the pills. Get on that stage. And I'm getting do re me, baby. So That's uh, Brian Windhorst, that guy with LeBron. Same thing. He just happened to be like a Cleveland beat reporter for high school in like 2006 or whatever. And just chased his kid his whole life. And now he's a, a, a well-known ESPN name. Just because of there you go. That's going to be me, John Scott. Yeah. Connor Bedard's just shadow, a big, imposing 290 pound shadow. It's going to be fantastic. But I, all, all kidding aside, this kid's unbelievable. Did you see the goals? What did, they're all very similar, all three of them. What did you think of them? Yeah. Well, it's not just that, like he scored three goals, but they weren't like rebounds or redirects or scrappy goals. He's controlling the puck, controlling the play. All three are, are snipes. Like one is through traffic. I don't know how he even saw it. The second one, again, creating his own space. And just right over the goalie's shoulder on a bad angle shot. And the third one is like, it looked like he was playing against, like, I know this is a joke, but like pylons. It was like guys weren't even moving. The goalie didn't move. They never saw it. He just took it and shoot. He loves to shoot it. It's like a good, it's a good, he's a good player to watch for kids that they always hold onto the puck too long or they try to make the fancy move, just get it and rip it. And he scores. It's crazy. So yeah, I I don't know about a hundred points, but he's, he's going to put up some serious numbers this year. Tim, his game will translate to the show. It really will. When you look at other younger guys, junior guys, guys coming out of college, it's like, oh, he's really strong or he's really fast or all oh, this and that. That sometimes translates. But a lot of the times, you know, your strength gets matched, your speed gets matched. This guy's got a laser for a shot and he gets it off quick. You could do that versus any competition. It's it's just it's so easy. For him, you look at all the shots. He disguises it well. He goes from outside to inside, and it's off his stick like that. And it's in the back of the net. It's it's unbelievable. I I shot hundreds and hundreds of pucks a day. I my shot sucks, Tim. It's so bad. And I spent 15 years trying to work on it. This kid, it looks so effortless. It's just amazing. And he does it. He's like five eight, and his wrister is just so so powerful. He'll never take a slap shot. In the NHL. They're all going to be those little wristers. Why would he? They're so good. I'm amazed at these kids coming out of juniors and college and stuff. Just the, the, the torque, the speed, the puck coming off their stick is incredible. 
it's it's amazing. All right. Anything else you want to talk about, Tim, before we get into it? Well, Adam Fantilli did the same thing on Saturday. Who cares? He, also, he also had a hat trick. He's the third pick. We said second last week. We were wrong about that. Third overall to Columbus. But yeah, I mean, the, the future is bright with these kids. Just like, again, it's an inner squad scrimmage. Who knows? You know, it's not the real thing yet, but another just beautiful goals, dangles and, and working through the D and just very, very exciting. Who went second? Leo Carlson to Anaheim. Oops. Why would they not pick Fantilli? Don't know. Couldn't tell you. You don't know Verbeek? He was the number one uh, European prospect. So I never trust a European. That's it. I'll, I'll just say it. You go North America, top five. We've had lots of European guests on the show. You don't trust them? N- name one. The European guest, our last one, Jacopo. Who? That's true. He's ru- <laughs> well, is Russia Both a part of Europe, Europe, though? Is Russia yeah. a part of Europe? Yes, it is. Not for long. You know what I mean? Politics. Crazy. It's politics, baby. We should get Putin on the show. Yeah. I think he knows who you are. That's actually a good question. How closely does he follow the NHL? He follows it fairly closely. And here's a story. I got invited to go to Russia by a few players, ex-players, and they wanted me to do a Russian tour because they would go over and you would jump on a train and you would go from stop to stop to stop. And the final stop would be to play a game with all the oil oligarchy and Vladimir Putin. I de- well, I didn't decline. My wife declined for me. But they would say, tell me these stories about what goes on in Russia. And it's just, a, it's the Wild West, Tim. And it makes the Wild West look like a G-rated Disney movie. Like, it's it's machine guns. It's everything you can imagine. And I'm just like, no, no thanks. But I, I got offered. And yeah, Putin's around. You get these oil money. You get these gangsters. It's crazy it's absolutely bonkers that like a country like russia exists you know what i mean i talk to fighters who sign in the k and all over like guys like john morasti where you, you get into a fight and you go in your locker and there's ten thousand dollars cash it's crazy it's absolutely crazy but then conversely on the other side of the page i wonder if you don't fight or you don't do good you don't get paid kind of live by the sword died by the sword tip it's one of those deals yeah, I would never, I would never go there. <laughs> no, it's not for you. It, it's not for the mentally weak. It, it you would crumble. Russia uh, is is a strong, strong man days. country. What's that? Uh, yeah, the kids these days and their mental problems. And- you're perfectly suited for right where you're at. <laughs> like you've hit the sweet spot in time where in time and place yeah oh a beta male with just not a lot of ambition oh come you've on. you've hit the sweet spot you know what where? i mean if you were born 200 years ago dead dead by the time you're 14 is it important to you that that you talk down to me like that is that like does that help you when you say things like that does it hurt when you hear the truth, I don't understand. Beta male who would die in the woods 200 years ago. I didn't say in the woods. Maybe in the woods. Maybe, <laughs> maybe in the in the city square. I don't know. I would do. Just Have you fine. seen Gangs of New York? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I'm Leo. Tim. He wouldn't. He wouldn't last. I would be the king of like some sick country, England, maybe. Oh man, I would have any any generation. I would have been a force, except this generation. You were a force, Sean. Toxic male energy. Oh, all right. Let's get to the central division. You know, I want to talk about the Scott family's getting some chickens this week. I'm very excited. So I just talked to you before the show. I'm going to pick up a chicken coop. If any of our listeners have any tips of how to work a chicken coop, I think I'm going to get five hens. I have two roosters. This all happened to him in the last two weeks. It's a very, very quick happenings. Just send some tips in because I don't know what I'm doing. I don't know how to, how many times, how often do I get the eggs? How often do I clean out their coops? How often do I have to feed? Like, I don't know what's going on. What do I feed them? I'm just flying by the seat of my pants here. So anyways, send in some tips if our listeners, I know we have a lot of homesteaders. So send in some tips to me. How do you raise a chicken? Can I keep the chickens and the rooster in the same space? Or is it just going to be a free for all? You know? Club 54, Studio 54 type stuff. I don't want that. I want just a nice orderly chicken coop. Right, Tim? Yeah. Are the, are the girls excited for it? Oh, very excited. They want to get seven hens, one for each kid. I mean, it's too many. 
So I think four to five, I'm going to pick them up tomorrow. So we'll see how it goes. But yes, it's going to be interesting. Moving on, Central Division. We've done the Atlantic. We've done the Metro. Now we're moving west to the Central Division. All in all, a fairly lackluster showing last year from this whole division. Not very exciting. We're hoping for some, you know, greener pastures this year. Wouldn't you say, Tim, there's been some injuries. There's been some aging stars in this division. But I think we're starting to see signs maybe of some improvement this year. Who do you want to start with? And where do you want to go in the Central, Tim? Let's start with who I think is the best team in this division and still probably one of the top three teams in, in hockey is the Colorado Avalanche. The big question for them, can they go back to being a cup contender, go on a deep run, obviously disappointing showing in the playoffs for them last year. A lot of question marks. I mean, Landis Cog is going to miss most of the season. They're quote unquote hopeful that he comes back for the playoffs. And this is after missing all of last season. So just a tough injury stretch for him. Some roster turnover there, but they've added some nice pieces. They're still like Nathan McKinnon is still a top three player. Kale McCarr is the best defenseman in the league. Like they're they're still very, very good. So I'm hoping that they come back and they turn into a, a serious contender again. Yeah, I the more this this team moves along with this core, do they just turn into the Washington Capitals? Where they win one cup and they're always pretty good, but they can't seem to put it together again. And and I hope that's not the case because obviously these are great players, but it's just starting to look that way where it's like, yeah, okay, they put it together. They won the cup last two years ago and then that was it. And they'll always be in the playoffs. They'll always be a contender, but they won't ever be the best. And I think that's going to be the Colorado Avalanche. And I think that's because Landis Coggs is injured and the salary cap's going to bite them in the butt pretty soon. You mentioned all the top guys. I like what they've done. They brought in Ryan Johansson. They bring in Thomas Tatar, you bring in Ross Colton, you bring in Miles Wood, you bring in Jonathan Drouin, all good players, right? All very valuable NHL players. Valerie Nachuskin, who knows what's going to happen with him? He's been very quiet. The NHL has been very quiet over his situation when they found someone passed out in his hotel room and there was text messages sent back and forth. He said he was going to delete their whole family. it's, it's It's a Russian situation. So I just don't know what's going to happen there, but I don't know, Tim, I don't trust this team. There's talent all over the lineup, but for whatever reason, I just don't know. I don't know how this thing's ever going to, how this thing's going to end up. If I had to call it right now, I I think they would be second or third in the conference and they would lose in the second round. I think that's their fate for the next two or three years. I, I, I don't see them as a contender in the Western conference for the Stanley cup, as it stands right now, you got your captain out, your goaltending Georgia was good last year. Can he be that guy? I don't know. I really don't know. You bring in Ryan Johansson, who in my eyes has fooled everybody his entire career. He's this guy who everybody thinks is this really smooth, swift skating, big centerman who just kind of does it all and puts points on the board. Then when you look at his stats, you go, you know, he he hasn't really put up many points in his entire career. He's making $8 million, but his highest point total in a season was 71, and that was back in 2014 and 15. And he's just been languishing in this 50-point, 60-point range for the last six years. And the last three, he's been not great. So is he, what what are you going to say, Tim? You're going to stick up for Johansson now? Well, for $4 million, it's a pretty good deal, especially considering that you lost your 2C after winning the cup with Kadri. And that was a big problem for them was the center depth last year. So you bring him in, he's going to fill that spot in. And you also have guys that can float around like Ross Colton. I mean, Ranton can play the center as well. Drewane can play center. And so like they, I think it's an important piece that you, I mean, I, I he may be a little bit overrated. He's a 55 point player average in his career, but I think it's a really important piece for them. And they obviously like, uh, you mentioned Tatar, like he's been around for a decade now and he hasn't really played with any elite players and now he's getting the chance to. And so being part of an actual cup contender and being on the ice with like, did he get a shot with McKinnon or Ranton and does he get a shot with Nachuskin or Lakin and like getting him on the ice with those guys and on a power play with Makar or whatever. Like, I think you could see a really strong kind of season from him. The fact that you say he's never been with superstars is wild since he played with the New Jersey Devils last year. It's just, and he played with the Vegas Golden Knights. He played with superstars with the Montreal Canadiens. Not superstars, good players. But yeah, I'll let that narrative slide. 
I, I don't know. I, I think they went out and they bought a lot of players who have a high potential, who have never really lived up to their billing with Tatar, with Johansson, with Jonathan Drouin, and they're hoping to get the best out of those players by surrounding them with legit NHL talent. I think Jonathan Drouin gets the first crack at that top line with Ranton and McKinnon. We'll see how that pans out. If he doesn't work, well, let's slide Tatar there. If that doesn't work, well, let's slide Miles Wood up there. If that doesn't work, well, let's slide someone else up there. I think they're going to give these guys all the chances in the world, and maybe something works. Maybe Jonathan Durant, something clicks, playing with these two studs in McKinnon and Ranton. But I don't know. There's a reason you don't need, them, guys, all to you don't need but, them all. There's a reason these guys are available. That's all I'm saying. There's a reason Jonathan Duran has bounced around and hasn't really fulfilled those expectations. The same goes with Ryan Johansson. The same goes with Thomas Sitar. If these guys had fulfilled their expectations, they wouldn't be available. So we'll see. You're right. They only need one to hit to fill out that top spot to kind of just wait for Landis Gog. Hopefully he comes back. But I just, Tim, I don't know. Uh, they're a great team. Don't get me wrong. But I think we saw the best in them two years ago when they won the cup. And I think people have figured them out. So moving on. Dallas Stars. I like myself some Dallas Stars. You know that. I know that. They're fantastic. What can we expect out of the Dallas Stars? What did they do this offseason, Tim? This is the other team that I'm most excited about in this division. Um, they added a couple of death pieces. Obviously, they added Dadnov at the deadline last year. So this is their first full season with him. They added Matt Duchesne, who's a similar, I think, player to uh, Johansson that we just talked about. Craig Smith, just a little bit of a depth forward, a little bit of scoring pop. But I think the rounding out um, their secondary scoring is going to be really important for them. The other thing too is, and I, I tweeted this a few weeks ago. I think Heiskanen is in 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 tune for a massive year. He had a, a big jump in points last year. We had seventy three, I think. Um, but I think he's going to be over a point per game, cl- close to like ninety. Like I, I think this guy is just like twenty goals, seventy assists. I think he's going to be an absolute beast this year. So I'm really excited about Dallas. They have arguably a top five goalie in Ottinger. He's just he's just a stud between the pipes. They have a solid defense. They have some great veterans with uh, Pavelski and, and Ben and Sagan. I, I like this team a lot. I do too. I, I, I really like this team. When you look at their roster on paper, they have arguably the best roster in the league. They have a first line that's proven. They've done it for the last two years and hence Pavelski and Robertson. Second line, Wyatt Johnson, as he emerges to star, Dadanoff fits in nicely on the right side. Ben had a good season last year, kind of resurrected his career. I think he put up 74. Five points or whatever in 80 games really stunk it in the playoffs cost them a lot of <laughs> crucial points i think what it all comes down to is the elephant in the room it's our two highest paid players it's sagan and ben can these guys put together a season especially tyler sagan he has been absolutely invisible since he signed signed his big eight million eight point or nine point eight five million dollar contract a few years back He's done nothing. I know he got injured. He missed a whole season. He's back. He's played two full seasons now, Tim. Before the injury, before the big contract, he was a point per game guy. Since the contract, he's barely above a half a point per per game. And he's making almost $10 million. Jamie Benn, he makes $9.5 million. The comparables in that range, Kucherov, Gaudreau, Stone, Point, Kachuk, Ranton, and et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Legit superstars. If you replace even one of those two, Ben and Sagan, for one of those guys I mentioned, I feel like they have a banner in the rafters already. Maybe two, maybe three. That's how good this Dallas Stars team is. But when you waste $18 million on two guys and they do nothing for you, that's a huge, huge thing to overcome. So much like the Rangers with Lafreniere and Kako, these two guys are the pivotal players on this team. If they show up to play, if they play to their potential and to their contract, this is hands down the best team in the Western Conference. I don't care about McDavid. I don't care about McKinnon. I don't care about the reigning Stanley Cup champions, Vegas Golden Knights. This team has it all top to bottom. You mentioned Ottinger, top five in the league. Defense is outstanding. Heiskanen, Suter, Harley, Hockenpah, Lindell, Lundqvist, they're all good. They're all big. They all move the puck well. The forward group is is fantastic. If Sagan is playing to his potential, he's their third line center with Marchman and Duchesne. That's a, that's a dangerous third line. 
you got Johnson data, not Ben and your fourth line is just penalty killers. You got some offense there now with Craig Smith. I don't know. It's those two guys, Tim, for me. So if they show up, this is hands down the best team in the Western conference. It really is. Yeah, I can buy that. I can buy that. And he, I mean, really encouraging showing from Ben last year. So if he does that again, you get a little bit more from Sagan. You don't need him to be the point per game guy. I don't know how reasonable that is to expect at this point in his career, but if he's getting closer to like 70, I feel like this team is going to be dangerous. But the bigger question is like, you know, they're going to make the playoffs. What are those guys doing in the playoffs? And can Ben especially stay on the ice, stay out of the penalty box and not make any stupid decisions? I'm sure he would, as a captain, was was pretty upset with himself for what he happened last year. And I'm sure it won't happen again. But it's the playoffs. I think that's really the only thing that matters for them. Yeah, a team that I think next will take some a few steps backwards will be the Minnesota Wild. Last year, they played great. Considering their salary cap, the players that they have, the talent that they have, they finished third in the Central, 103 points. It was a good showing for them. I feel like they are due for massive steps backwards. And I think the big thing to watch with this team is at the free agent trade deadline. Who goes? Who stays? What will this team look like next year? Come the deadline. I don't know. They have Zuccarello. They have Felino. They have Hartman, Duhamey, Maroon, Goligoski, Fleury. They still have $14 million plus in cap held thanks to Parise and Suter in dead money that they can't use. This team, Tim, I think is done. I think it needs to be blown up. You have good pieces in Kaprizov and Boldy. They're good pieces. Spurgeon, you have some good players there. I think if they just call this season a wash, start over next year, there'll be a little more money in the salary cap. They don't have any bad contracts on this team, but they just need to have a little facelift. I think you kick the can the next year, you trade all those guys, you get some draft picks, and you just say, you know what? This this is what we get for those bad contracts. Thank you, Chuck Fletcher, Cliff Fletcher, whoever Chuck Fletcher. We're going to be bad this year. Billy Guerin knows it. He's going to trade those guys. It, it sucks for Kaprizov. It sucks for Boldy, or not? For, uh, yeah, Kirill. But it, you have to pay the piper at some point. I think last year they played over their skis a little bit. I don't know. Am, am I wrong about this wild team, or do you think they go a different direction? You're not wrong. I, I I think they're a better team than you're giving them credit for, where they could probably compete for a playoff spot, but I don't know that it's going to get you anywhere. And with all these expiring contracts and just the cap situation, it probably does make more sense to be a seller. And I'm going to list those names again, because I think these guys are really, really valuable. Like they will be sought after pieces at the deadline. All these expiring contracts, Zuccarello, expiring contract, Felino, expiring contract, Hartman, Goligoski. Like those are, those are exactly the type of players that GM salivate over uh, in, in March, March and February. So I feel like it'll be, um, there'll be a sellers most likely unless they surprise us. And, but with $14 million in dead cap space, there's really not much you can do. Yeah. Ryan Hartman's a guy who is just always, he, he, I can't wrap my head around him. I know I make fun of him all the time. Zuccarello gave me a hard time when he was on the show saying, yeah, I heard what you're saying about Hartman. I, I almost didn't come on the show. <laughs> He's your one C now for the last few years. He doesn't put up massive points. But he brings that sandpaper, that grit to the lineup that GMs love, coaches love. What do you do with him? He's 28 years old. He's been around. He hasn't really been able to stick. He put spent four years with the Hawks, a couple years with the Preds, now four years with the Wild. Do you invest in him long term? Is he your guy? I don't think he's a 1C. I've set it up and down. I think he's a 2C, maybe a 3. That's his sweet spot. But out of all these guys, Tim... Which pieces do you see the wild hang on to and which ones obviously do you let go? I think you hang on to Hartman. They obviously like him. They've given him a lot of responsibility. I don't know. I mean, how much of that is, is Garen because he was there before Garen was the GM, but I feel like he's a guy that you for sure probably hang on to. Zuccarello is 36. I didn't realize he was that old. So I think he's gone. Felino. <sighs> I think they hear offers on him. I think they probably like to keep him. But again, he's a guy that teams are going to want. If you can add Marcus Foligno to your top six at the deadline, like that is, that's a great pickup. And then Golagoski is just a career suitcase, right? So he'll be, he'll be traded. He'll go somewhere else and help another blue line. But I think Hartman's the guy they'd like to keep. Yeah. I just look at what you could get an ROI on this guy. I think the highest return would be Hartman. He only makes 1.7. He's still 28 years old. He will be one of those guys in the playoffs that will win you a series. You can plug him in on the third line. He will he will win matchups. 
because he's so valuable. He's just, he, he does a little bit of everything. I know we say that a lot. He's a five tool player. He fights, he hits, he wins face-offs, he scores, he backs check. He does everything. He kills penalties, power play. Him and Marcus, I think are the two valuable pieces in this group. So, uh, so I feel bad because I played for the wild. I came up with them. I still love going there, but they need to just kind of reset. And we talked about flurry last episode where they're doing him dirty. They need to just trade him and be done with him and just not let him languish on the bench. He's too good of a goalie for that. Give him some time, send him to a contender. He deserves it. All right, moving on. St. Louis Blues. This is a hard one to approach because they have a lot of good players. There's a lot of good pieces there. But we talk about taking a step back. We talked about the Minnesota Wild. Is there, (laughs) if there's one team in this division who I feel like, could come last place is the St. Louis Blues. And that's crazy talking about a division that has the Arizona Coyotes and the Chicago Blackhawks in it, two of the worst teams in the league last year. St. Louis, in my eyes, is going to be a train wreck this year. You don't get rid of Jordan Bennington. You lose Kevin Hayes. Or not sorry, sorry, not Kevin Hayes. You don't change your defense. Your core is gone. Tarasenko, Schwartz, Ryan O'Reilly. Everybody's gone. I don't know, Tim. I, I don't know. What do you what do you see from the St. Louis Blues this year? Well, they're they are they lost a lot of good players, like you said. Most of their team that won the cup is gone, but they have some really good young players. And actually they tweeted out they're gonna announce their captain today. So I don't know Ooh. who that's gonna be. Probably Braden Shen, if I were to guess. Jordan um, Cairo, maybe? Yeah, I mean Pareko and Shen have been wearing wore the A last year. Yeah. Is it Bennington? Does Bennington wear the C? No. In, the, um, in the locker room. Yeah. So, I, I mean, you, Kairou and Robert Thomas signed identical contracts a year ago. They were putting up some really solid numbers and a little step back last year. I don't know. I, this, You're right. This team could be a second round, you know, uh, out or they could be last place. And, and this doesn't really seem to be an in-between. So they're not going to they're not going to be down the middle. They're going to be good or, or terrible. Yeah, I just look at other teams. A lot of the teams in this division, their strength is on the back end. Dallas Stars have a great defense, great goaltender. Minnesota Wild, I like their defense. Winnipeg Jets, Nashville Predators, the St. Louis Blues, I feel like their defense has been together, together forever. They're always constantly injured. They're always not leaving, getting up to their expectations. Nothing has changed from last year to the year before to the year before. The names are sexy. Falk, Krug, Perenko, Letty, Scandella, Bortuzzo. But they're they're old. They're all injured, multiple surgeries. They're all never healthy. I just feel like they're not good anymore. Colton Pranko, the once, the highly sought after six foot six puck moving defenseman who was the stud when they won the Stanley Cup in 2018. He he doesn't stink now, but he's a five six defenseman. He makes six point five. Tory Krug never healthy. Justin Folk, like he's okay. Right. I feel like their weaknesses are back end and their goaltender. They're complacent. They're old. They're slow. They're not motivated. This is going to be their weakness. These guys don't want to play defense. They don't want to go back and get a puck when it's dumped into their corner. It's an issue. And this is their defense for the next four or five years. Letty, Perenko, Krug, and Folk are signed, all of them, to 2025-26. Perenko, for Pete's sake, is signed until 29-30. So this is this is the reason why this team will struggle. And of course, Jordan Biddington. The guy makes six million dollars. He signed to 26-27, and he's an absolute psychopath. So and he's not a good goaltender. <laughs> like I get it. I get it. If you're like quirky and, and you go off the rails like a Ron Hextall used to do. Ron Hextall was terrific. Last year, Perenko, or sorry, not Perenko, Bennington, his goals against 3.31. His save percentage 0.89. Like he stink. You're bad. You're bad goalie. So I, I fully see St. Louis being the worst team in this division next year. All right, moving on. Speaking of the worst team in the division, Arizona Coyotes. It's not often Tim or I or I am optimistic about a team, especially about the Arizona Coyotes. I have a, a well documented history of just dogging this team for fun sometimes, just because I can. I am optimistic about this team. Not optimistic in the sense that they're going to compete for a Stanley Cup or they're going to be in the mix for a playoff spot, but I am optimistic about where this team is headed. 
I think they did a good job in the offseason. They didn't overextend and signed a superstar like Taylor Hall all of a sudden and, and just label themselves contenders. No, they did some smart tertiary moves. They signed some vets to mold these young guys and to give Clayton Keller and Nick Schmaltz some people to play with. And they went out and they got a good defenseman for the cheap, who was arguably one of the best defensemen on the market who just couldn't find money. They didn't lock themselves in any long-term deals with free agents when they have no business to. They made smart business moves that they can get away from if it doesn't go, or they can trade if it doesn't go the right way. I don't know. You bring in Matt Dunma, Dumba, you bring in Sean Dursey, you bring in Troy Stetcher, all good veteran defensemen. And they all get one-year deals, and you can trade them at the deadline if it's not working out. You bring in Nick Bukestad, I think is a good very underrated forward who just plays third third line minutes, but just skilled. You bring in Zucker, who's played with some of the best players in the world with Crosby and Malkin, and he played with Kaprizov, and he's played with all these guys. He knows how to keep keep up with the stars, and you bring in Kerfoot, a guy who's been around the league. I think it's smart, Tim. It just gives the kids. Who are all the kids that these guys have to mentor, Tim? Well, the one I'm I'm most excited about is Logan Cooley, who was drafted third overall last year, 2022, and then went back to um, college, Minnesota, right? But he was like, they're already saying it in a redraft, even a couple of months later, like he would go number one overall in that draft. So he's he's coming in for, for as a rookie this year, which is very exciting for them, as long as as well as Gunther, Macelli, Hayden, like all these guys are 21, 22, 20 years old, very very talented. They're going to get real opportunity. You're going to see at least two of them in the top six getting actual minutes, getting power play time. And like you said, it's not like they're going to be contending for a playoff spot probably, but they're going to be getting like really, really good experience, really good NHL seasoning. And for the first time, maybe not the first time, but like it's, it's, you see their future. You see where this organization is headed. You can kind of buy into these kids progressing. And and in the past, it was always like, well, yeah, they got these young players, but they always have to trade them because they can't afford them. I don't think that's going to happen this time. It feels like this is a group that's going to come up together and, and, and I don't know, move their franchise forward and not turn into the next uh, Dylan Strom and, and all these other young kids that they had to trade. As Domi as and Claire and all yeah. these guys. Yeah. I hope I so like, because yeah, you yeah. have good pieces. You know, you got Kraus, you got Keller, you got Schmaltz, the defense still, you know, there, there's some work that you need to do there after getting rid of Chitrin. But I agree with you. You see some pieces that could potentially turn out to be very, very good hockey players. But yeah, only time will tell. I think this is a big season for them. Does Clayton Keller improve up for last season? Last season, he had 86 points. Does he? What's what's the over-under? Is there more or is there less? Um, well, that's kind of one of the things I'm keeping an eye on. The 37 goals, 86 points. Can he do better? Who is he? Is he a legit superstar? Is he can he drive a line he showed last year that he could and so if if you're giving him chance to progress with logan cooley and dylan gunther and seeing those kids get to play together i think he could be a hundred point player so i really like what i saw from him i think yes i think he gets 40 goals this year that would be exciting yeah it'll be neat to keep an eye on arizona because usually they're just an afterthought all right moving on nashville predators like what do we, what do you want to talk about with this team tim they got a great goaltender Great defense. What else is there to say about the Predators? It's weird because I've seen the Predators on a, on a few lists of like, I don't know, just breakout teams or underrated teams that are going to surprise people. I don't see it. I, I really don't see it. I mean, you, when you've got you, Juicy Sorrows, like he's going to be a legit, he's he's going to keep you in games. He's if Without him, if you put it like a middle of the pack goaltender there, this is the bottom 10 team. But they're with him, they're, you know, right in the middle. And so I feel like they could surprise some people. They're not going to be an easy team to play against, but there's not that much to get excited about. Roman What's Yossi, the update on Philippe Forsberg? He got hurt last year. Any update on him? He's healthy now. Um, he's back to full health as of last week. He's on the IR still technically, but he should be ready to start the season. Yeah, they bring in Ryan O'Reilly. They they have some pieces there, but I agree. I don't think this team scares anybody. They will be good. They will make the playoffs, you know, you think I do. I really do. I think in this conference, in this division, especially they will be a hard out when you got Yossi, when you got Saros and you got Philippe Forsberg. Those are three pretty solid pieces to, to play around. So, uh, you know, they'll be there. They'll be they'll be a third seed in this division and they'll make the playoffs. But I think they'll bow out in the first round. The interesting thing with all these teams, 
<laughs> compared to the Metro, compared to the Atlantic, where they're locked in long term to a core group of guys, you know, Ottawa, Toronto, Buffalo, all of them, New Jersey, New York, down the list, everybody is locked into their guys long term. All of these teams, nobody's locked in. It's a free for all. Like what this team looks like, the Nashville Predators in the next three years could be completely different. Every one of their players, their contracts up in two years, except for Ryan O'Reilly and Roman Yossi. You could theoretically, Tim, have 10 new forwards on this team next year. You got Trenin, Tomasino, Perasin, Gurion, Novik, all these guys. I don't know what their names are. They're, I've never heard of any of them, really. I've heard of them, but they're either a UFA or an RFA. Over three quarters of their forwards. The same goes for the defense and the same goes for the goaltending. It's just amazing how all these teams, they don't have a path forward. There's so many question marks for this franchise. I can't imagine being the new GM. You take over from Poli, who has been just there since the inception of the Predators. You bring in Barry Trotz. This guy's been around the block. Always been a coach, though. You know, you give him the reins for this team. He looks at what he has. He's like, where do I go with this franchise? It, it, there's a lot of unanswered questions. You bring in Andrew Burnett, obviously had that DUI situation when he was with the Florida Panthers, got let go, went to New Jersey last year. He's the new head coach. We'll see how this franchise does. But yeah, I, I think they make the playoffs. They have too many good players who are in their prime to not make the playoffs. Sorry, moving on. Chicago Blackhawks. We talked about the Bedard at the top of the show. What else is there to say about this team other than Bedard? It's Bedard, Bedard, Bedard. Um, the, I mean, the two questions, obviously, first is how many goals, how many points does he get? Second question is how much, how good can he make this team? Because, you, I mean, I don't have it in front of me, but like pretty much overnight that the Capitals and the Penguins became playoff contenders out of nowhere because of what Crosby and Ovechkin did. And so can, can Bedard be on that level and, and bring them out of the abyss into contending? And I don't think, and it's not a knock, a knock against Bedard. There's just not enough there. You know what I mean? Like he'll get Taylor Hall and he'll have some chemistry. And I don't know who they're planning on putting on that line with those with those guys. But I think it's just it's just Bedard. And he doesn't seem to be bothered by the pressure or the spotlight and the attention. And so it'll take a lot of pressure off the rest of the team, too. And I feel like you as a Blackhawks fan, you can't be frustrated when Bedard scores 40 goals and you lose 50 games. Like, don't be surprised when that happens because it's not a great team, but he it's still very exciting to see what he's going to do and not just the the numbers, but the highlight real stuff is going to do, which he's already done. So that's kind of what I see for them. Yeah. They got Lucas Reichel, their um, former first round pick who will slide inside Connor Bedard and then Taylor Hall on the other side. So it's not a bad first line for the Chicago Blackhawks, but I think their weakness is the back end. You know, when you look at this defense, there's a lot a lot that needs to be done. You got Murphy and Tenority and Seth Jones and Zaitsev. It's just, it's not a, a defense that really instills fear in the opposition. You see this lineup and you're like, okay, I know where their weakness is. We're going to dump it in. We're going to attack them off the rush. These guys are susceptible to a lot of things. So it, it's an issue. You know, you're not going to go from last place to a contender overnight. You, there's going to be some growing pains like Peyton Manning, his first year, I think he won three games. He threw a million interception. So it takes some time to become a contender, but the pieces are there. You get Connor Bedard. He is a needle mover, like we talked about, but it's it's going to be a bad season next year. I think everyone will be focused on growing Connor Bedard, making sure he's comfortable, making sure he's healthy, making sure he's protected. That's why you bring in a Corey Perry, a Nick Felino, a Taylor Hall. These guys will be a good mentor group for Connor Bedard, but yeah, don't expect them to make any noise. I think they'll be in the bottom of this division. So, but it'll be a fun team to watch. All right, moving on the last team, Winnipeg Jets. Lots of question marks with this team, much like the St. Louis blues, much like the Minnesota wild. What is this team going to do at the deadline? Who is going to show up for the Winnipeg Jets? I think they answered some questions in this off season by letting Blake Wheeler go their captain for years and years and years. He's gone. That distraction is gone. They name Adam Lowry the captain. Great. Love that pick. What happens come the deadline? Mark Shifley, Connor Hellebuck are the two primo players on this team. What happens? Shifley's your best player. Hellebuck is arguably top three goaltender in the league. He's been doing it forever. I think he makes up for a lot of mistakes that this team makes. 
He's a fantastic goaltender. What happens, Tim? Can this team finally just either show up or go away? I feel like every year we talk about this team. Oh, they got great potential. They got a 40-goal scorer in Connor. Kyle Connor. They have great defensemen. Morrissey, Nate Schmidt. They got uh, pieces. Eller's been a stud for years in this league. Mark Scheifele is so incredibly good. He's on a great contract. And then they just stall out and they stink and they don't make the playoffs. So they lose in the first round. Where do you see the season going for the Winnipeg Jets? <laughs> the, the Jets could co-star with the Islanders on a TV show called Teams I Don't Care About. Like they're, just, <laughs> they're just so like I, I I'm trying to get like excited for them, and I just there's nothing there's not that much going on. I love me some Kyle Connor. I love me some Nikolai Ehlers, friend of the show, Josh Morrissey had a monster season last year. Hellebuck had a great bounce bounce back season after being a little bit lackluster the year before. And I only remember that because he was on my fantasy team and he was terrible. But like we're, are they going to contend? Mm, probably not. There's also this un, this unknown of like what locker room questions might or might locker room problems might exist because there's been rumblings around this for years. And how much of that was not that it was Blake Wheeler's fault, but if he's out of the picture, do, do these problems fix themselves? Is it a culture thing? Is it an organization thing? You've heard those rumors for for years, and so I don't know where this team goes from here. I I wish I had a better answer. I think they I think they trade some players. I think Shifley has gone. I think Hellebuck's gone. Yeah, I think you have to get rid of those two guys. I don't think they're a contending team by any means in this conference, let alone this league. So Kevin Sheveldayoff somehow still has a job in this league. Uh, he's been with the Jets forever. They haven't done anything, really. They've, they've never made it to the Stanley Cup finals. I don't even think they made the Western Conference finals. With all the talent that they've had while he's been the GM, it, it's amazing. They still can kind of just let him do what he does. So you got to trade Shifley, you got to trade Hellebuck, and then you kind of just reload because you have good pieces. I feel like you won the Pierre-Luc Dubois trade. You bring in Ayafalo, you bring Velarde in, you get a draft pick, you lose Dubois and all that noise that comes along with him. Those are good players. You have a good team. There are some pieces there for you to do a quick rebuild on, but you have to nail the Shifley and Hellebuck situations. These are very crucial to your development and to where you go as a franchise. So we'll see what happens. I like Rick bonus as a coach. We'll see how he kind of handles all the controversy that's going to happen this year. Cause they won't be good early on, but maybe they will. I don't know. They, I don't envy GMs in this situation. I don't envy who's the guy in Toronto, Brad Trevealing. And I don't envy Kevin Shevel day off because Winnipeg could potentially be there at the deadline and Toronto will definitely be there. What do you do with your UFAs? It's such a crucial decision. And our listeners, put yourself in their shoes. If you're hunting for the playoffs, if you're in in the game and you're a GM, you have to save your job. Do you trade these guys or do you keep them and then lose them at the end of the year? It's just, it's a momentous decision to make for not only yourself, because you have to save your own job, right? But then you got to worry about the franchise long-term. It's, uh, I don't know what I would do. Just say Winnipeg's third place in the Central, Tim. What do you do? Do you trade Shifley? Do you trade Hellebuck? No, because you because because Hellebuck could win you a series or two. You know what I mean? Like him alone. Can he win you four series? Well, no, but maybe if you add some some pieces at the deadline, if you feel like he he can get you there. But I don't know how many how many playoff games has, has Kyle Connor played? How many playoff games has Mark Shifley played? Yeah, they've made the playoffs a handful of times. They had their big run in 2017-18, but since then, like in 2021, in the uh, bubble, they won one round. Last year, they got knocked out in five. 19-20, they got knocked out, swept in four. Last year, they didn't even make the playoffs in 21-22. So they haven't done anything in the last five years. Like, Can you trust him? Like, can you trust him? I know he got 47 goals two years ago, 31 last year. I don't know. It's an interesting thing to think about. Put yourself in their shoes to see what you would do. Because I, I go back and forth on it all the time. I really do. Anyway, moving on. Speaking of coaches, Mike Babcock. I, I want to touch on this very briefly. I want to apologize. I was wrong. Well, I, I don't say I was wrong. I didn't have all the facts. But things are coming out slowly but surely. This guy's a weirdo, Tim. He's an absolute weirdo. He deserves to be let go or resigned or whatever happened. If everything that's said to have occurred has occurred. It's just, he's a weird cat. I thought the cell phone situation was in his office. 
they shared a couple photos of their families and that was it. But allegedly he had people over to his house in the off season. He took the kids phones, the young kids, 18 year old prospects, first round or second round as we don't know the players. And he just rifled through them. And then he just tells them to leave. He says, come on over for lunch. They don't even have food. It's a weird thing to do. And then other stuff is coming up about him telling people they're not going to play in the NHL anymore and this and that, which isn't that uncommon. Lou Lamorello said that to me. When I finished with the All-Star game, I saw him in Toronto. He's like, yeah, don't bother. Like, you're done. Oh, that's a strange thing to say, Lou. But it's just it's just a creepy, weird thing to do by Mike Babcock. So I don't know. If all the things are true, then yeah, he should be gone. It's just, he's almost like psychopathic tendencies, like serial killer stuff, where he gets some enjoyment of this. It's very strange. Tim, you could relate to this a little bit. Well, because of you, because you're you're the bully in my life, right? No, you're a psychopath. Um, no, well, I'm glad you said that. And and yeah, I think he's a narcissist. I think he's a bully. I think he's just, I don't know. He's 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 a bully. It's really the best word for it. And so I'm glad he's gone. I think the players are better off. I think the stories are all true. And and I guess one question that is kind of being floated around now is why did you hire him in the first place? And and Yarmo basically said he believed in second chances. He knows he's a good coach. He wanted to see it work. And now people are calling for him to be on yeah. a short leash too. What do you think about that? I don't know. Like you can't predict someone's going to do this. You know, it's not Yarmo's fault. Babcock was a successful coach in this league, but obviously he's he's not anymore. He shouldn't be around. Uh, it seems like anybody. <laughs> yeah. He shouldn't be around anybody. But um, I don't know. Yarmo should not be fired. Babcock should be let go. What happens to his contract? Because he resigned. Does all that money just go back? I don't know. Because he was getting paid by the least until this year too, right? Yeah. I don't know. I, and Interesting. I hope, and Biz made this point too. I hope that like, we can just put this behind us because the players don't deserve to keep getting asked about this either. You're, You're right. They did nothing wrong. So hopefully this. But I was wrong. Right. You know, the, when there was smoke, I, I didn't know how much fire there was. There's was a lot of fire. This guy was terrible. He does not deserve to be a coach in the NHL. So yeah, I'll I'll chalk that one up in the L column. Good good on uh, spitting chiclets. They were right on it. A lot of credit to Biz. A lot of credit for you for for acknowledging that. So takes a uh, credit all around. <laughs> I guess everybody's getting credit. All right, everybody. We'll have a good. What day is it? Tuesday. Have a good Tuesday. We'll talk to you uh, later this week. Cheers. Thanks for listening to Dropping the Gloves with John Scott, a member of the Nation Network of Podcasts. Subscribe wherever you get your podcasts from to never miss an episode. 